0: Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willett. How is everyone doing this morning? Woo-woo! How's everyone doing this morning? Everybody blessed? Amen. Amen. I'm prophesying to you right now the Holy Spirit is giving you an impartation of uh, spiritual energy from his heart. <laughs> We're just declaring energy in this room. We're declaring grace and favor. We're declaring joy over this room, over every one of your lives. I'm declaring rest over every single one of you. Supernatural rest coming to you. And, uh, and you feeling it deep down in your core. I'm um, Just feeling that the goodness of God truly is running after you. The blessings are about to overtake you. Amen because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's so powerful, amen, you are not defeated, you are not the tail, but you are the head, amen, and blessings are coming to you to overwhelm you, amen, because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's awesome, amen, amen, turn to your neighbor and say more good things, <laughs> amen, amen, even more good things, even more, Even more. That's how good he is. He's a good father. He's a good father. He knows how to give good gifts. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. No weapon formed against you will prosper in Jesus' name. I get a sense that uh, some of you have been in some battles um, recently, and I I don't know fully what that is. Um, But no weapon formed against you can prosper. Amen. Not a single one. Not a single one. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn it. Amen. That's the inheritance of the saints. We have a mighty powerful inheritance. Amen. And it's not even based on our behavior. It's based on grace and just we get to inherit as children of God. Amen. Amen. God's good. <laughs> I'm preaching myself happy right now. <laughs> God is good, so uh, I have a couple little funnies for you. Um, last night it just it was just hilarious to me. I was actually just kind of soaking in the presence of God, and um, I love this thing. Um, actually, uh, Brianna um, showed it to me. Is is this uh, soaking worship that's on YouTube, and it's just like a few hours of just soaking worship, and it's just instrumental, and you can just kind of soak in the presence. And so I'm just soaking. In in the presence and I've got this YouTube thing going and stuff and I'm just having this really powerful time with the Lord and encountering him and um, towards the end um, there was like some things that I had poured out to him and just like okay let me get this off my chest and stuff like that in the end I was just like Lord um, you know bring me to that place of joy I want to walk in your joy and um, I look over at my YouTube things I'm getting ready to turn it off and there's this guy's face um, on it, and it's a face that I don't recognize. You know how, like, all your YouTube things you tend to see Bill Johnson or like someone like familiar to like something that you've looked up before? And so, this is what happens when too many times Siri has overheard you talking about being drunk in the Holy Spirit and <laughs> drinking parties and things like that is that YouTube actually thinks I have a problem now. <laughs> this is a true story. Hi, I'm Erin, your sober coach. (laughs) We have the experience, empathy, and passion to help you through every stage of recovery. And so this is how rumors get started. (laughs) But thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be sober, and so I will not be seeking out that guy. (laughs) So Siri's always listening. Always listening. Or you've typed too many times. I don't know how they got that idea, but you know how it's always targeted marketing, right? So funny. So funny. And then the other meme that I saw the other day that was so funny, um, it's actually scripture. Luke 2, 43 to 44 says, while his parents, this is talking about uh, the Mary and Joseph and talking about Jesus. While his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on. So Jesus is the original Kevin McAllister and the original movie Home Alone, Lost in Jerusalem. <laughs> But it said, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. (laughs) Jesus was the original home alone story. It it just made me laugh. (laughs) So anyway, Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you, Father, for this season of just Christmas and just celebrating your spirit, celebrating what you did, celebrating how you came, and you uh, closed that gap, Father. You bridged the gap. You made a way where there was no way, Jesus. And we just thank you so much, God, for who you are. We thank you that you had a plan from the beginning and that you've loved us from the beginning and that you've loved us through every mistake and every uh, issue, God. And I thank you, Father, that you are bringing us from glory to glory to glory to glory. And we just give you all the glory, Lord. We thank you, Father, for everything that you're going to do. We ask for your anointing. On this message, we ask for your anointing on every heart to receive whatever it is that you're speaking to each person individually. And we just thank you for your supernatural grace on our lives, God. And we just give you the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So it's the Christmas season. Sorry, I'm even more out of breath than I was before. It's only going to get worse from here (laughs) as the baby's encroaching on my lungs. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, So it's the Christmas season. I'm naturally growing some tinsel in my hair. That's all just, you know, for the Christmas season, right? (laughs) Just growing naturally. Um, And so uh, today's message is called Conquering Guilt and Celebrating Christmas. Conquering Guilt and Celebrating Christmas. Um, So it's it's really important as Christians, and I think sometimes as Christians, we haven't always understood how important boundaries are because we have to walk these tensions between, um, you know, we want to turn the other cheek, we want to be there for people, we wanna help bear people's burdens with them and things like that. But there's this other side too where we are actually the only ones that can steward our time. We're the only ones that can steward our energy, we're the only ones that can steward our resources, our children, and no one else is going to do that for us. And so it's really, really important um, that we understand boundaries. And so there's a scripture, Proverbs 25, 28, and the scripture is, a man who has no control over his own spirit is like a city without walls. A man who has no control over his own spirit is like a city without walls, and that's Proverbs 25, 28. So, in other words, in order to have self-control in your life, you have to have some walls around your city. You have to have some boundaries that says, this is what belongs to me, and this is what belongs to other people, this is what belongs to the outer world. And we have to be able to build those walls and do it obviously in kind and loving ways, but understanding that we have to have boundaries in our lives. It's our jobs to steward our lives with the Lord. Amen. Outside of our marriages and our families, only he gets a say in how we spend our time, how we spend our energy, how we spend our money and our resources. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little Christmas season story from years past in my life and um, how I had to learn this lesson the very, very hard way. And I warn you, this is a very extreme example. Hopefully none of you have ever been in this this case before. Um, But this is what my Christmas season looked like, oh, let's see, 10 years ago, something like that. Um, I was um, in charge of the Christmas production, which I loved. It was super fun. And God did call me to that, but it was a lot of work. Um, I was in charge of, you know, overseeing everything, the music, the actors. I wrote the script and you know, working with everyone, directing, coordinating schedules. Um, we I had to coordinate the farm animals that would come in and what time they would be brought in, and there's like sheep going bad behind the curtain. We would put in an eight-hour day just just programming lighting um, for this. It was like a huge production deal. Um, seeing you know people making costumes and dancers rehearsing and stuff like that and so it was like this huge huge undertaking and that was a huge thing that was on my plate and then they decided to have this thing called Jesse Tree Ornament Exchange and I don't know if you've ever heard of that it's kind of like an advent calendar Um, where every day in December there's a different ornament and it's like different stories in the Bible and they're all handmade and then every day you do a devotional you put an ornament on the tree with your children and stuff like that and so all the ladies were making these things and if you participated then you had to make 31 of these little crafty things and I said sure I'll do that too and so I had to make 31 crocheted crosses on top of the Christmas production that I was directing. Um, I was also leading worship. I was also buying presents for my family. Um, There was also four different ministry parties that I was expected to be at, from the all-church Christmas party to the staff party to the music party to the women's party. And two banquets, the children's banquet and the Master's Commission banquet and a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) There was the school Christmas activities that I had to say yes to. There was a children's Christmas production that I was carting my kids to and from, attending, looking for costume items, stuff like that. And then my friend says, wouldn't it be so fun if we had a ladies' cookie exchange? and so why don't you participate in this cookie exchange and so all you have to do is make all these cookies of one kind and then we'll all get together and we'll share cookies and then you'll have a plate of all these varied cookies or whatever so i was like sure i'll do that for my friend because i don't want to tell her no And so I signed up for that, and that was in amongst all those other things. And by golly, we won the yummiest cookie award. And if you're going to win one of the awards, who cares about presentation? It's the yummiest one that matters, right? So we won the award for that. (laughs) On top of that, I was hosting Christmas for my extended family, which included grocery shopping, cooking, and cleaning. And then on Christmas Eve, we had two Christmas Eve services in a row and a party afterward that I was expected to be at with my children until very late at night. And so, oh, did I mention that I was nursing a four-month-old baby at the time as well? I did that twice because both babies were born around the same year, and they both played baby Jesus in the Christmas production. (laughs) And uh, and then I would come home after the the late evening party. I would wrap presents until 3 a.m., and then I would crash hard. (laughs) Now, I, 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 you know, performed my way through the Christmas season, and a lot of people looking on would say, wow, she performs really, really well okay but after all of those things do you think I felt like a success when I was home at 3 a.m crashing hard (laughs) I actually didn't feel like a success at all I actually felt terrible that I neglected to send Christmas cards out to my family and friends I told myself I will really be an adult when I can get the Christmas cards out early so that people can enjoy them all throughout the Christmas season. Has anyone ever fallen in a trap like that, trap of performance, trap of like it's never enough, it's never ending, okay? Maybe yours looks different than that, um, but that was my season um, about 10 years ago okay, and I still did not feel like a success, okay, that's the problem with that performance spirit, that's the problem with a religious spirit, is that it will never be enough, if I got the Christmas cards out early, I didn't have my kids dressed well enough for Christmas, or I didn't get my toes done, and I didn't have, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is, right, it's never ending, it's never enough, and it's, it's a trap, I'm gonna quote Star Wars, it's a trap, okay, I also felt like I did a terrible job of keeping Jesus at the center of the season. It was like a pressure that I felt that I had to perform well to keep him at the center. But I was just too busy and I was too scattered to really think about Jesus, even in the midst of all my Jesus activities. Amen? Okay. I was a city without walls. And by the end, I was angry, I was resentful, I was feeling used and taken advantage of, but guess what, it was no one else's job to stop me from saying yes to all these things, amen? Because a person without control over their spirit is like a city without walls. I had no walls. It was my job to say yes to anyone that came and said, hey, will you do this for me? Yes, yes, that's my job. That's my job to make your life easier, okay? Um, This is what we have to understand about boundaries. No one else is going to stand with you before God someday and give answers for how you spent your life, how you spent your time. Amen. No one else is going to be there. No one else, like they might look on and comment this or that or whatever, but they're not going to be standing there in front of Jesus with you and giving account for your life. Amen. Okay. No one else is going to be tucking your kids at night or hearing them ask for more of your time. Amen. No one else is going to balance your checkbook when it's all done, we're all like, oh, here comes January, right? No one else is working through marriage communication about busyness with you and your spouse. So we are the only ones that can set boundaries around our life. We're the only ones that can say yes. We're the only ones that can say no. So it's so important that we understand that God is expecting us to steward our time, to steward our energy, steward our, ener- our energy, our resources, and our money. Amen. Amen. So as I was going over the song, Joy to the World, we are getting ready for the Christmas party, um, something really stood out to me in, in the lyrics to the song. It says, let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. Now it doesn't say let every house prepare him room or let's make sure every house has a nativity scene and you know, that's, that's awesome, that's a wonderful thing to do. But it says let every heart prepare him room. So how can we prepare room in our hearts? For him, And it's, it's important to understand that it, it takes emptying something out. Amen. Just like the inn was too full when, uh, you know, when Mary came along and she needed to give birth to Jesus. The inn was too full. Which means that we have to get something out of the way in order to make room for him in our hearts. Amen. Make room for him in our hearts. So what's occupying our hearts? What squatters do we need to kick out? And most of the time, the squatters that we need to kick out are lies. Lies that we're believing that are taking up room where we need to make room for Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, Lies like this. Getting the perfect Christmas presents for the kids will make it the best Christmas ever. I believe that one. I'm still working hard getting the presents that they want, but it's a lie. It's a trap. (laughs) All right. Spending lots of money is how we'll be happy on Christmas. It's a lie. (laughs) I'm not doing enough to make it special. There's not enough fun activities. It's a lie, okay? Um, I need a bunch of props and activities in order to keep Jesus at the center of Christmas in my home or with my kids. You know, it takes all these things. I actually did research because that's something in my own heart. I'm just like, you know, I want to, you know, make sure we're keeping Jesus at the center. So I'm just looking up ideas and stuff. All the ideas on the, let me just save you some time. All the ideas on the internet are like elaborate and like, oh, you got to do this crafty thing and this thing that's going to take three hours and, you know, you envision your family sitting down and being so perfect and putting Jesse tree ornaments on a tree and the kids always spoil it because they get bored and they're like oh we have to do another devotional right it's like it doesn't have to be so elaborate amen and so save yourself some time because I looked them all up and I, I couldn't find anything now if this if crafty stuff is your thing and and that's really good for you that's awesome find what speaks to you Find what speaks to your heart and to your family. But that's just not my season right now, amen. I like, I see all those, uh, those crafty hacks and stuff online and stuff. And the first thing I always think is, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm like, it's super cute. I, I, it's a great idea. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> At least not me, not me. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, usually what we have to kick out is guilt, somebody say kick out guilt we want to kick out shame (laughs) we tend to react to all these lies by trying to perform better by trying harder or trying to put our best foot forward okay Um, we end up singing let every heart prepare him activities (laughs) and more activities and more activities and stress and stress and more activities right and we think that that's going to help bring him into the season but it's actually not as hard as that so what is an obstacle to our setting boundaries appropriately and I'm going to submit to you when we're having a hard time setting boundaries usually there's guilt involved Okay, usually it's guilt. Um, Even if we set boundaries, there's usually this internal guilt thing that we tend to feel when other people don't like our boundaries. And let me just... Spoil it for you, when you set boundaries with people, a lot of the time they're not gonna like it, okay? A lot of the time. But guess what? They're not gonna stand with you before Jesus. They're not gonna be tucking your kids in when your kids are sick. They're not gonna be there when you are out of energy and you you can't sleep at night because your brain is running, amen? Only you can do those things. But people aren't always gonna like it and we need to break up with guilt. Somebody say, break up with guilt. (laughs) Yes, guilt is not your friend. We feel weak, we feel not good enough, we don't measure up. Even when we say no to things, the guilt sucks all of our energy, amen? So we need to kill the guilt button. Um, The guilt button that says, um, this is what I think I should be doing, this is what the world thinks I should be doing. And let me just give you a hint, don't fight your season. Don't fight your season. You know, it's it's one thing to do battle against the kingdom of darkness. It's one thing to battle the enemy. It's a whole other thing. When you are warring against the season that you're in, you will not win. <laughs> Amen. So embrace whatever season it is, okay. If you're in a season and you've had this major transition, maybe you've moved or maybe you've had, you know, this huge life. Change, you know your season is going to look a little bit different and that's okay you don't need to live up to you know the old standard or what you know people around you or what social media says you know everyone's highlight reel puts this pressure on us but that's a pressure that we can say no to amen if you're in a season you've got little babies and you've got little kids your season is going to look a little different amen If you're older and you've got grandkids and stuff like that, your season's gonna look different. And it's awesome, so just process with Jesus, what is my season right now and what do I need to let go of right now and let him be the deciding factor rather than any outer pressures or what people around you think, amen? I can tell you right now, my season looks very different being this pregnant, <laughs> and getting ready for Christmas, and, and I'm someone that loves to be busy, and I can have my hands on a lot of things, and, you know, I do have a high load-bearing capacity, um, but I am praying through everything um, right now, and just like, Lord, what is the priority right now? What do I need to let go of? Because I need to steward my energy really, really well. Amen? So embrace your season, and don't fight it. Now, we've, we've heard before this comparison that we're the thermostat and not the thermometer. Have you heard that before? So we want to go out in the world and we want to be the one that sets the temperature out in the world. We want to walk into the culture of our office and we want to be the one, you know, setting a tone of joy and, and talking about Jesus and stuff like that. And not just be a thermometer that gets influenced by everything else. But I would encourage you that we also need to be the thermostats of our own hearts. Okay, we get to decide with Jesus, how do I want the atmosphere to feel in my heart? Not just in my home and with my kids, but in my own heart, how do I want to feel? How do I want to experience Jesus at Christmas time? How do I want to do this season right now? How do I want it to feel in my heart, not just in my home? If I don't adjust the thermostat, eventually it's just going to become whatever temperature it is outside. And so I'm going to be influenced by, you know... Whatever's around me, amen? So I want to set the temperature with Jesus. You are the adult of your own life. Someone turn to your neighbor, say, you are the adult of your own life. Wow, that was super quiet. You're the adult of your own life. You're the adult of your own life. Someone, <laughs> say to your other neighbor, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> you're not the boss of me, Okay. Look at your family, your extended family. You're not the boss of me, okay? Pray with Jesus. What kind of family activities can we participate in this year? What things do we need to let go of? What things can we say, hey, I love you so much. I can't wait to spend time with you. We've got three hours on this day. And I can't wait to celebrate with you for three hours. And that's it. (laughs) Amen. You are the boss of your own life, okay? Um, funny story. It actually is probably pretty immature, but <laughs> you're not the boss of me. In, uh, in Korean culture, um, you are expected to do what your elders say. Like, we would get phone calls from my uncle, and my uncle would be like, you come over for dinner, you know. And my husband would be like, oh, we actually can't. We have plans. You come over. I am Sam Chun. <laughs> you have to listen to me. I order you. Literally, word for word. I am not making that up. I order you. Come over for dinner. Okay. So there's this like expectation in Korean culture that you're going to do what your elders say. And um, mom is going to tell the daughters, you know, how to organize the food and stuff like that. So it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And my sister was hosting, and my mom was concerned that my sister wasn't making enough turkey. And so she calls me, and she says, Joy, I want you to make another turkey and bring the turkey um, to, um, to your sister's Thanksgiving. And I'm like, okay, this is awkward, because I don't think she wants another turkey at Thanksgiving. And so my sister texted me, and she's like, okay, I know mom is calling you about another turkey. I have tons of food. Please do not bring a turkey. I'm putting you in charge of dessert. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I will be in charge of dessert. And so my mom calls me again, and she's like, I don't think she's got enough food, Joy. And that's a thing in Korean culture. There has to be more than enough food, like way more than enough food. Like, it's okay if, you know, there's leftovers and stuff like that. But if you don't have enough food, that's a big problem in Korean culture. So she's like, Joy, I tell you, bring turkey, okay? And so my sister texts me, and she's like, all caps, do not bring a turkey, bring the dessert. (laughs) And I can tell now she's getting triggered, because this is her Thanksgiving that she's hosting, and we take turns, and I'm like, that's awesome, it's your turn to host. And she's like, do not bring a turkey, I will be so mad. Okay, by the third or fourth text, I was starting to get a little triggered by my sister because she was like ordering me not to bring a turkey. I'm being ordered to bring a turkey, and she's like, I will be so mad. And I'm like, hmm, so I'm in charge of dessert, and so I'm like, okay, you're not the boss of me. And so um, my daughter and I, she was, uh, I think, 10 at the time, um, we decided to make a giant Rice Krispie Treat turkey. (laughs) so we, and it was so we like we had a picture out of what like you know a cooked turkey looks like so we made and it was huge it was like the size of a turkey we made this rice krispie treat turkey and then we got cocoa krispies to have it like the nice brown on the outside you know and then I brought some like pumpkin pies and cookies and stuff like that too and so I go to show up at my sister's house ring the doorbell and I'm holding this turkey in a turkey platter with the lid on <laughs> my sister opens the door and you should have seen her face and her jaw dropped she's like you didn't and I pull the lid off I'm like I did <laughs> I brought a turkey because uh, you're not the boss of me <laughs> but uh, I say all that to say you are the boss of your own life that was my very immature story to show uh, they were not the boss of me and I found a way to kind of you know stick it to both of them <laughs> All right, you are the boss of your own life, okay? So in, in life, you know, when we're feeling that pressure and, and all the things that, that weigh on us, the things that we feel guilty about, things that we don't feel good about in our life, that we don't feel like we do well and stuff like that, we have to walk this tension in the Lord between two truths. This is something I talk about all the time. There's always these tensions between two truths, okay? Um, on the one side, God transforms us and he equips us, Amen. He equips the called, and so there is this process where he helps us to get better at things. He equips us with the things that we need, the knowledge and things like that. On the other side to that tension is that he loves to use the the foolish things to confound the wise. Amen? So we get to walk this tension of, yes, he's equipping us, but also he loves to use the foolish things. So we don't ever want to get, you know, so like, oh, I know so much now. You know, I am super Christian, right? Because he loves to use the foolish things to confound the wise, okay? So let's take a look at the scripture, Second Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. Second Corinthians 9 to 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. So what are we supposed to do with our weaknesses? What are we supposed to do with our weaknesses? Boast about them. (laughs) Brag about your weaknesses. Okay. So I submit to you, there is a strategy When you're feeling guilt, there's a strategy when you're feeling weak or disqualified or whatever the thing is. Boast in your weaknesses to conquer guilt and shame. Boast in your weaknesses to conquer guilt and shame. Amen. So, how many of you know the town of Nazareth? We hear you know that song and talked about a lot at Christmas time. That that's where Jesus came from, was from Nazareth. And how many of you know that Nazareth was not known as the greatest place back then? Okay. In uh, John 1:46, Nathaniel asks, "What good thing could come out of Nazareth?" Okay. So I don't know what the best comparison is in Arizona. Like, what good thing could come out of Tucson? I don't know. Is that Nogales, Nogales. <laughs> Wickenburg? I don't know. Guachucha. Yuma? What good thing could come out of Yuma? What good thing could come out of Wickenburg, you know? Like of, of all the cities, like you would think, you know, if Jesus was going to come from a place, come from Phoenix or Scottsdale, ooh, come from Scottsdale. No, it's like, no, it would be like as if Jesus had, had been from Wickenburg. <laughs> it's like, what good thing could come out of Wickenburg? Nazareth was this, this tiny little town. Um, it wasn't known for anything good. Um, but Jesus was from there, and now he is known as Jesus of Nazareth. So nowadays, we associate Nazareth with Jesus. Amen? So, how many of you feel like a Nazareth sometimes? This little bitty thing that no one expects anything out of. There's so many weaknesses. There's just not enough of this, not enough of that. And people kind of pass right by and they don't even glance. Okay. But when Jesus comes and inhabits you, he puts you on the map by his grace. Amen. And then he becomes known as being from you. Amen. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Daniel Ouellette. Jesus of Grace Karanja. Amen, he puts you on the map and it's by his grace. He loves doing that. He loves taking the small and weak things and then prospering them and making them huge and it's all in his glory, amen, amen. So all the weak things you think about yourself, Jesus is gonna inhabit you and he's gonna put you on the map and great things will come out of you. Someone say, great things are coming out of me. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise, Mm-hmm. Somebody brag, I'm foolish. <laughs> Where you see weakness, God sees opportunity. Where you see weakness, God sees opportunity. And I'm not talking about opportunity to improve you, but the opportunity to show his glory through your weakness. Amen. Amen. Now, again, we're walking this tension where his grace also brings the transformation. His grace also brings the equipping. So I'm not saying we're just going to sit in our weaknesses and just like, oh, I'm just going to be weak all my whole life. But whatever weaknesses you have, he's going to use them and he's not going to waste them. And he gets that much more glory. Amen. The scripture we read, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect In weakness. Kind of sounds like he actually benefits when we have a weakness. Amen? My strength, and strength there means dunamis, miracle working power. My miracle working power is made perfect. Perfect there means shows itself most effective in weakness. So, in other words, my miracle working power, it shows itself most effective in your weakness. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> it's awesome, okay? Even, even in science and with electricity and, you know, it's funny, we were talking about 9-volt batteries this morning. Um, someone had challenged me when I was a kid to, like, lick a battery and see what happens or whatever. And so I took a A battery and, like, when you do it, nothing happens, right? But if you lick the top of a 9-volt battery, something happens. <laughs> Why is that? Because it has the negative and the positive on the top, right? And so when you connect those two things is when you experience the electric shock, okay? So even in science, when you have a negative that meets a negative, you get nothing. When you have a positive that meets positive, you get nothing. But when you put a negative with a positive, you have power. Amen. So when our negatives, all of our weaknesses, all the areas that we lack, all our inabilities, all our sicknesses, our distresses, persecutions, when that meets up with God's positive, we have power. Amen. Amen. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. It's actually for his gain when we have weaknesses. Amen. Amen. Bring your weaknesses. Don't waste them. And when you bring your weaknesses to the Lord and he loves you in that place, that's when you will actually feel loved. Amen. When you're trying to put your best foot forward with the Lord and trying to cover over things or whatever, you actually won't feel loved because you know that's not who you really are. Amen. But when you bring, here's here's the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you feel his love in those places, that's when you will actually feel truly loved. And you can really receive his love and grace. Amen. Amen. Don't pretend to be strong. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Amen. So weaknesses um, are infirmities, inabilities, insults. Have you ever been insulted and thought, wow, thank you. I need to boast about these insults. <laughs> I am well content with these insults. This is amazing. Right, but that's what the scripture says. Amen. Amen. Uh, Jesus says in Luke 6:22, "When people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you and reject your name as evil, leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven." Amen. Great is your reward in heaven when you are insulted. Now, in in that translation that we read, it said, "I am well content with weaknesses." It is also translated, "I take pleasure in my weaknesses." I take pleasure in my weaknesses. It's also translated, "I delight." In my weaknesses. That's pretty extreme, and he's not being sarcastic. Amen? I delight in my weaknesses. There's a difference between enduring insults and enduring our weaknesses and actually taking pleasure in them and being like, Yay, I'm full of weaknesses. Hallelujah, you insulted me. This is amazing. (laughs) But that's what the scripture says to do because his strength. His dunamis, miracle-working power shows itself completely perfect in our weaknesses. Amen? When you put a negative with a positive, you get power. Praise Jesus. Spiritual growth is not about getting better and better and stronger and stronger at things. We tend to think that that's the case. We tend to preach a lot of messages of, like, this is how you can do better. This is how you can do better. This is how you can try harder. Here's another tactic that steps A, B, and C to best life now, right, you know um, I'm not criticizing, I love Joel Osteen by the way, I just it's just a phrase that people say all the time, I love him, he's such an encourager and he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing in the body of Christ in my opinion Um, but spiritual growth is not about getting better and better and stronger and stronger at things it's more and more recognizing your dependence on him amen, seeing your failures seeing your shortcomings rather than trying to cover over them and not see them That's actually growth and maturity in the spirit, okay? Growing in humility in the things that you're just not good at. That is growing in humility. That's growing in maturity. But it's not that weaknesses are all that you see, okay? So you don't focus on yourself. You don't focus on just what your weaknesses are. You also see God's unmerited favor working overtime in your life despite your weaknesses and even because you have weaknesses, amen? You see God's favor. You're more conscious of Jesus and his presence in your life. And you're more convinced that you are 100% dependent on his spirit. Amen. 100% dependent on him at all times. Um, you are more conscious of his supply coming your way, even in your weaknesses. Amen. You rely more and more on him. And that is what true spiritual growth and maturity is. Amen. Sometimes what I learn and what I know and what I think I'm good at can actually work against me. You know, like I could preach a message and I can fall back on things that I know. I can fall back on some advice that I could hand to you. But if I don't sit down in the presence of God and hear from him what he wants to speak to you and what he's going to impart in the supernatural, it's all Yappy, 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 anyway. It's not going to do anyone any good. Amen. So when we come to that place of spiritual maturity, it's that we recognize I actually have to sit in the presence of God. I'm full of weaknesses. But I know that his power is going to come and inhabit me. And and we're going to work together. And through my weaknesses, he's going to be shown, you know, he's going to show all his glory in this place. Amen. And people's lives will be changed, but it's because of him. Amen. Amen. God's grace flows when we boast in our weaknesses. Um, This also brings the transformation that we need. Amen. So even if, you know, weaknesses, we don't want to just leave us there, you know. But as we boast in those weaknesses, that attracts God's grace. Amen. Grace is attracted to your weaknesses. Someone say, grace is attracted to my weaknesses. (laughs) I got a lot of grace. Boast about it. (laughs) I have so many weaknesses. Amen. Stop trying to be strong in and of yourself. The scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will give you grace. Amen. Don't feel like a failure. Jesus is not a performance. Jesus is not a performance. Your prayer life is not a performance. How much you can focus on him during the Christmas season is not a performance. He's a person. He's someone that we have relationship with. He's our supply. He's actually not our obligation. I think sometimes we feel this obligation to set him in our lives like almost like, you know, this, this statue that we're going to put in our life and, and make sure it has this place of honor and we're performing for him during the Christmas season. And it's actually, no, like he's actually our supply. He's actually what fills our tank. And so we need to focus on his presence during the season because I don't, I don't have nothing without him, amen? And yes, we want to honor him and, and things like that, but it's not a performance. It's something that we actually need, amen? It's just a matter of just switching the way that we think about it. You and Jesus get to determine what winning looks like. So set the thermostat with him. How do you want it to feel in your heart? And then out of the abundance of your heart is what's going to then fill your home, and that's what's going to be imparted to your children. Anything in leadership, it has to be an inward job first with the leader, and then you recreate who you are. You're always going to impart whatever it is that's on your life that you've Stepped into, amen. You can't lead people where you haven't been. And so it's so important that we steward our own hearts. And just like, Lord, how do we want it to feel in, in our heart? Amen. So when that little voice whispers, not good enough. Or disqualified. Or not measuring up to everyone else. Or that person's Instagram is better than my Instagram. Or whatever that looks like to you. Um, the answer is, boast. Boast. Yes, I am so full of weaknesses. (laughs) Yes, I am falling short in lots of areas. But God's going to show himself so strong through those things. And he gets the glory for it. Amen. (laughs) Someone say, yes, I am so full of weaknesses. (laughs) His strength is actually most effective in that area of life when you boast in your weakness. Okay. The promises of God are way more powerful than your weaknesses and failures. Way more powerful. His word is his word. It's true. He's not going back on it. Okay. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will lie to you, but his word is true. Okay. His word is true. And he is way more powerful than your ability to screw up your calling. (laughs) <laughs> he's way more powerful than, than you failing and not following through on, you know, whatever it is that God's called you to. Amen. When you boast about your weaknesses and you bring them to him, he's not going to waste them and he's going to get the glory. The lie is that whisper and the whisper is trying to help us. That's, that's the lie. That that little whisper that says you're not good enough yet, not good enough, you got to try harder, you got to work harder. That's the lie is that that voice is trying to help you. And I'm here to tell you that is a demonic voice. That is not the voice of Holy Spirit, okay. When it's this never-ending, this religious thing, this perfectionism is the only thing that's ever going to get there. But you're never going to be perfect. That is not Holy Spirit. That is the voice of the enemy. And he is not trying to help you. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy It's trying to suck all your energy, all your excitement and actually separate you from God and your calling. Amen. So boast in its face when it's like, you're not good enough. Nope, I'm not. You're right. And hallelujah, I'm not. Because in all my weaknesses, he's going to be shown glorious. Amen. Receive the grace for transformation from him as you boast about your weaknesses and shortcomings. Okay, so I'm going to boast for a minute. Man, I'm pregnant and I am so forgetful in this season. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm like constantly in this brain fog and it's like really hard to remember things and I can get busy doing something. Usually I'm pretty sharp with stuff, but I'm like, I forget whole days. I forget whole appointments. And uh, yeah, it's not fun. But man, God is going to show up in this season. He's going to show up in this season. And guess what? In this season, the church does not depend on me. The church depends on Jesus, and so he gets that much more glory, and his strength is actually perfected in that weakness in me right now. Amen. So hallelujah, super forgetful right now. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Super forgetful. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't have my act together in so many areas of my life, and yet God just keeps blessing me and surrounding me with favor. Amen. I don't know how to pastor a church. I've put it on the altar so many times, and just saying, Lord... Like, this is yours. Like, I'm not going to hold anything tight in my hands. I would rather work at McDonald's if you're not in this. (laughs) And as many times as I've tried to put it on the altar and hand it to him, he keeps giving it back and he keeps growing it and blessing it and multiplying it. And so praise Jesus in all my weaknesses. And he's yes, we're walking the tension. He is equipping me and we're doing the things and stuff like that. But in the meantime, in my weaknesses, he is shown that much stronger. And he gets the glory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I don't know how to minister to people. I actually don't know how to heal people. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how to heal people. I've got no clue. There's times I lay hands on people and they feel something. There's times I lay hands on people and they don't feel anything. And there's times they get healed and there's times that they don't. And it's really not my job to work it out. It's my job to stand in faith. Lay a hand and hallelujah, Jesus does it. Amen. I actually don't know. I'm not super skilled in that area. I don't know that we're ever supposed to be skilled in that area. I'm not super skilled when it comes to um, inner healing ministry. I haven't trained in sozo and stuff like that. Sometimes I've actually felt inadequate to help people in that area because I'm not trained in those ways. But there's times I get in a prayer line or whatever and I'm like, okay, but I'm here, Lord. And I'm the one that they've got to pray for them. So help me out, Jesus. <laughs> help, help a sister out, okay? And uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm here, Lord, and I'm, I'm coming to you with all my inadequacies and everything. And there was one day a lady came up, and, um, and she didn't say anything. She was walking. It was actually through a fire tunnel. And the Lord showed me um, I was pulling an arrow out of her stomach, and it was an arrow of rejection. And I'm like, Is that a thing? Is that even okay? I mean, do I got to walk her through a sozo process or whatever? It's just like, okay, I'll just pull it out. And so I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, I pull out the arrow of rejection. And she falls on her face. And she's in this encounter with the Lord. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. He did it. And I have no clue what I'm doing. And I didn't walk her through a process. And I totally believe in Sozo and stuff like that. But in that moment, the Lord's just like, here, try this. Okay. Now I can try to get prideful and be like, well, now I know how to pull out arrows. So everyone line up and I'll pull arrows out of all of you. (laughs) Amen. I'm only as good as my reliance on Holy Spirit at any moment. I, I am so reliant on him telling me what to do. I'm not going to start the arrow-pulling ministry, okay? Unless he shows me to do it again, and, and I will, and, and I have at times. But we have to rely on the presence of God, and, like, that's when we grow spiritually. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Let's do it. Arrow-pulling ministry. Everyone line up. <laughs> all right. So celebrating Jesus as the reason for the season. Um, I believe that we all want to do that. I truly do. I think sometimes people throw that out there like, oh, you remember Jesus is the reason, you know, and it's like, I think most people are already there, like they want to um, celebrate him. And sometimes we just don't know how or we feel overwhelmed or we see it as a performance or or things like that. Um, So I'm just encouraging you, um, don't see it as an obligation that's going to be evaluated in your life and you're going to be tested on it. (laughs) Okay. Um, How well did you keep Jesus as the reason for the season? It's like, it's not about this evaluation thing. Um, Have a presence-focused Christmas. Presence-focused Christmas. Heart connection to his spirit is what matters. Amen. Um, In your own heart first, and then it overflows to your family. Um, It's it's not obligation. It's actually supply to you. It's actually strength to you in the season. It's actually something that is super beneficial to us. And it's not just we're doing this because we just want to honor him. Although that's great. He's actually our supply. Amen. So don't see it as an obligation to be evaluated, or you're going to be tested on how well you kept Jesus. How how much of a super Christian are you? You know that's that's not the case. A religious spirit is never satisfied. It's never enough. Um, religious spirit will tell you Jesus is going to love you more when you get this right. Religious spirit says I will love myself when I get this right, and it's just not the Lord. Amen. Guilt has no place in your life. If you are a born-again child of God, guilt has no place in your life. Um, and let's put up on the screens Romans 3, to 24 And I love how the Living Bible um, puts it. Uh, Romans 3, to 24 But now God has shown us a different way to heaven. Not by being good enough. Someone say not by being good enough and trying to keep his laws, but by a new way, though not really, not new really, for the scriptures told about it long ago. Now God says he will accept and acquit us. Someone say acquit. Declare us not guilty. Someone say not guilty. If we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins and we all can be saved in this same way by coming to Christ no matter who we are or what we have been like. Yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. Yet now God declares us not guilty. Someone say not guilty. Guilty. Not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Guilt has no place around you. It was paid for on the cross. Amen. Once and for all, over and done, not only did your sin get taken away, but you were declared not guilty. You were not guilty. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have his righteousness. He exchanged it. Um, I love how the Passion Translation says it. It says he has liberated us from guilt. Someone say liberated us from guilt. Hallelujah. We've been liberated from guilt. In the Bible, guilt is never referred to as a feeling. It is always referred to as a condition. A condition of guilt or innocence. And you are innocent. Amen. So if you are ever feeling guilty, your feelings are lying to you. Amen. Your feelings are lying to you because you have been found innocent. Okay. Your feelings are lying to you. The accuser is lying to you. Performance and perfectionism is lying to you. Comparison is lying to you. Religious spirits are lying to you. Okay? Um, there is a slogan in the world right now, and I get why it is, and, and to some degree I agree. Um, but the slogan is, you are enough. And it's like kind of placed to, to kind of combat some of that guilt feelings that we have and stuff. You're enough. Just, just like you are, you're enough. And I kind of question, is that really true? Because... When I say that to myself, it doesn't feel true. I'm actually not enough, okay? And so I submit to you, um, at least for me and for what makes to my own heart, it feels better for me to say I'm actually not enough. But with his strength, we have more than enough. Amen? Because my negative meets his positive and now we have power. Amen? I'm actually not enough. That actually is more freeing to me, to be honest. When I'm laying in bed at night, it's just like, I failed in so many ways. I haven't been the perfect mom. I haven't been the perfect, you know, wife or the perfect pastor. I forgot things and, you know, things are left undone and stuff. But, you know, I'm not enough for this. But with Jesus, it's more than enough. Amen. Praise God. He's awesome. Um, yeah, dunamis power. It's powerful. Miracle working power. The answer to guilt is not performing better. The answer to guilt is not performing better. It's God's grace in your weakness and the truth that when we're weak, then we are strong. It's acknowledging your weaknesses and talking to God about them. Put your worst foot forward with God and watch his grace come and find you. Amen. Amen. So how do we know what to say yes to and what to say no to in this season? Um, I can tell you I can put up with a lot of junk if I have a word from the Lord about it. I can, I can carry a lot of load, I can do a lot of things and, and stuff like that. When I have a word from the Lord, this is something you're supposed to do right now. I know there's grace, I know there's going to be joy on it, there's going to be life and energy, even if it's hard work, okay. Um, there's going to be hard work sometimes in the kingdom, but there's grace to do it. Does that make sense? So get a word from the Lord. Lord, is this party something I'm supposed to participate in? Or is this something that's actually going to drain energy from the things you actually want me to steward? You know, is this time with this extended family or this out-of-town trip that they want to do or whatever, um, is, is that something that we have grace for? Is that something you're calling me to in this season? Or is there something that you want me to steward in a different way? And he's so faithful to meet you in those places. And to, once you set boundaries where they need to be set, to eliminate the guilt because you are not guilty, okay? Just because someone is angry with you does not mean that you've done anything wrong. Amen? Just because someone is angry with you doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. Praise God. All right. Not everyone's going to love your boundaries. I'm just warning you now. Okay. Um, Yeah. What activities is he saying to do? If he's in it, there's peace. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I researched um, ideas to keep Jesus in the middle of the season. The ideas were all super elaborate and stuff like that. Um, Find what works for you. Find what connects to your heart. Um, Find what's going to work for you and your family. Simplify it. The gospel is so simple. It's so easy to enter into his presence, it's so easy. Just turn on some worship music, turn on some Christmas sacred music for 15 minutes. It's like this, is, this doesn't have to be like three hours of immersing our children and, you know, having this perfect picture of how they're going to behave, you know. It's just like little, little moments, little things, quality time with your kids, quality time um, just in the spirit and just lead them and guide them. But from a place in your own heart. Uh, we talked about this at the Christmas party. Um, they've done research. But if you hold eye contact with each one of your kids for just three minutes a day and just talk to them at night, just holding eye contact. I mean, how much of that is missing these days with, like, people being super distracted and smartphones and stuff like that? Just three minutes can make a huge, huge impact. And they can really open their hearts up and feel super connected to you. And I'm telling I'm about to have five children. I can do three minutes each kid. That's 15 minutes. I can do that. <laughs> okay, we don't have to get overwhelmed with these ideas of perfection and you know, these long amounts of time. Try it with your spouse. Try it with your spouse at night. Three minutes of eye contact. We might have some more babies coming rolling around January. <laughs> eye contact for, for just three minutes, and it's it's really connecting. It's really connecting. Find what works for your family. The Jesse tree ornaments, um, they just didn't connect to my heart. So when it came to uh, pass it on to our kids, they got really bored and antsy. And I was just like, you're ruining my perfect picture of us sitting around a fire and celebrating Jesus. (laughs) It just didn't work for our family. It just, you know, my heart wasn't connected. And it was like, oh, and sing this hymn. And this thing goes with it. And I had to look up the hymn. And it was just a lot of work. And then every night that we would miss, like I would stare at this, like Christmas morning, this big box of ornaments that didn't get hung and all the devotionals that didn't happen and it was this big box of failure staring at me on Christmas day and I'm like this actually was not helpful to me it might be super helpful for you and there's nothing wrong with it but for our family we just had to find something that that works for us Um, tell your own testimonies let your children know what are the testimonies in your life Um, tell the gospel story in your own words um, what problem did Jesus come to solve? You know, that's, that's an area that I see kids not, not necessarily understanding. Like, they understand that Jesus came. But, you know, why did he come? You know, what was the problem that he came to solve? Um, turn on sacred Christmas worship. Color color together. And turn on some Christmas worship. And 15 minutes, you know, little things um, to just immerse yourself in his presence. Teach them one Christmas carol. You know, keep it low pressure. Just sing happy birthday to Jesus. It's easy as that. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord, that your gospel is simple, that your gospel is easy. I thank you, Jesus, that your gospel is power. I thank you, Father, that in your gospel is authority and freedom and that we have been released and acquitted Lord, I thank you, Father, that we have been set free from sin and guilt and shame. And I just thank you, Father, that guilt has no place in your children, Lord. And I just thank you, Jesus, for the way that you um, just love us so much, it's like we can't lose. That not only are you equipping us, not only are you strengthening us and and giving us the things that we need, but in the meantime, you're even working through our weaknesses and you don't waste them and somehow even that gives you glory and even that um, just expands the kingdom. And we just thank you so much for that, that it just takes the pressure right off. And I just pray, Father, that you would pour out creative ideas this Christmas season for how we can connect with you, Jesus, and connect with you in that Christmas season and impart those things to our kids to maybe start uh, family traditions that are truly heart-connecting to you. And we just thank you so much for it, God. And I thank you, Father, Lord, that you are the way maker. Lord, that you are the one, Father, that's going to bring the callings to pass, that you're the one that we're looking to. I thank you, Father, that you are so much bigger than our failures and inadequacies, God, that it's your promises and your word that we can stand on and not our own performance and we just give you glory and honor and praise Lord that we are all going to finish the race well you're going to lead us and guide us God and I just thank you for all the powerful people in this room and we just give you all the glory in Jesus name and everybody said Amen, amen. So we felt on our heart to just end a little bit differently this morning. Um, we're actually going to end with a worship song. So let's all stand to our feet and we're going to sing the song Waymaker. And as we sing the song, really let your heart connect to the fact that He is the Waymaker, that it's not dependent on our performance, how our family does, and our calling and stuff like that. Sometimes we put this pressure to perform, but it's all about Jesus, the Waymaker. Amen.